Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Radoslav Stankov. Did I totally butcher your name? No, you actually said uh, say it almost perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm a native. Anyway, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, hi, my name is Radoslav Stankov, but everybody just called me Radu for short. Uh, I'm a head of engineering in Product Hunt, and I'm doing Ruby since 2010. Wow. So it's that, I mean, that makes you super old in Ruby years. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a super old in programming years as well. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll dive into that, but uh, yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Um, we, we talked a bit about Ruby at Product Hunt, but do you want to just kind of fill people in as far as what, what that's like and how long you've been doing that? Uh, the, the Product Hunt part? Yeah. Yeah, so I have been in Product Hunt for, now I'm starting my fifth year. Uh, and there I, I like started like from the engineering role, then we got acquired and since uh, October, uh, since actually August last year, I, I'm head of engineering here. Oh, nice. uh, basically, we, the way we, we have it is everybody in the team is uh, full stack. And mm -hmm. we have like a Rails backend with a couple of Ruby or Node services around, a GraphQL API, and a React frontend. Cool. Well, I will refer people back to the episode that we did, and you can just uh, Google Ruby at Product Hunt. I, I should look up the episode number, but we, we, I, I messed up the time earlier on Rado, and <laughs> I, didn't, I, I don't have it in front of me anymore. Yeah, let me actually, I, I think I have it. It's like one of my, actually the episode uh, got released last week or something. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. released last week, uh, episode 396. Yep. So, yeah, it looks good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in and let's talk about you. How did you get into programming? So I started very young. I mean, I started in 2002. Uh, that I was like 15 years old back then uh -huh. and uh, at my school like my school had like uh, learning how to program in Pascal right. which kind of looks like Ruby when you start thinking about it like it has beginning ends and all of that mm -hmm. so there like I first like that was my first ever push to like programming and there we started doing like, okay, that looks fun, but I have no idea why, or why everybody would type in a terminal. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years later, I'm using Vim, but that's <laughs> later in the story. 
But from there, we had like this uh, course of uh, HTML and we wanted to do like a website. And me and a couple of friends started doing like a website for computer games because back then like we were very into uh, gaming. And there was this, uh, I mean, I don't know the word in English. In Bulgaria, it's something like youngster center or a community center it's like the center where young people like teenagers go and like do interesting stuff like i was doing there like a newspaper and there was like dancing drawing and all of that courses and my work on the newspaper was to like reorder like the articles just put them in places with adopt page maker or something mm-hmm so from there there was this local internet provider and they are like uh, recruiting kids for uh, child labor <laughs> like oh, <wow>. uh, <laughs> i mean child labor like sounds like but it's like people who are like 15 16 just helping on, with the internet providers because they were also kids like they were 20 years old but it was like a good start so they go to the community center and i said okay who understands technology here Right. And it was like, okay, they, they referred to me because I was like pretty much understand technology. I can set up printers. <laughs> uh, and I mean, they, I, I got put there and they asked me, okay, what do you want to do? Uh, like we have uh, sysadmins, we have this. And I'm like, uh, I, I want to be a web developer. And back then I actually have no idea what was a web developer. Right. And they referred me to this company which were making websites. Oh, okay. So web agency, they, they referred me to that web agency. And actually, that's where the story actually gets funny. So I go to this interview and I'm like 15 years old. I cannot speak very well. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, the guys there, like, they were like two people. And they were really polite with me, like, like real, but I was like kid, nothing can doesn't understand right. anything. And they said, Yeah, we'll call you back. And I'm like, kid, and I'm naive. And I expect them to call back for one month, second month. They didn't didn't call back. And I'm like, hmm, maybe they lost my number. Let me actually try calling them back. And I pick up the phone, call them back, and it's like uh one of them raises and I'm like, I'm here for the interview, like for the job. And he's like, oh, you're for the job. Okay, let me ask you something. And I'm like, kid, I think they were interviewing me. And, <laughs> but it was this guy who started working there who has no idea what he was doing and basically asking to help him because he thinks I'm his new colleague. So, oh, yeah. And I'm like constant, like I call him like three or four times and he's like always asking me questions. And I'm like really like, with the book and like trying to answer the questions and thinking I'm like in this interview process. Right. And at some point, uh, the founder of the company actually find out that the good work this guy was doing was actually me helping him do his job. <laughs> nice. And decided, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should talk with you. So they just give me two books of, uh, Adobe flash five, <laughs> day and they got me rolling there like uh, I read the books and I like starting from there there and I moved to work with PHP and I mean I stayed in this company for like eight years since I, well, I mean I, when I started I was 15 uh-huh. then I go to the university 
And back then, like uh, PHP was, wasn't, I mean, and right now it's not so bad, but back in the day it was kind of messy. Yeah. And back then I saw that like 2007, like Ruby on Rails actually got really popular. And my first coding mentor, like there was this guy who was like two years older than me uh, working in this company. He went to uh, outside of like my hometown and went to, to study. So he quit the company and he was starting doing Ruby on Rails back then. And I was like really impressed, uh, but I couldn't do Ruby on Rails in the company because nobody else understand it. And we didn't have... I, back then, I didn't have any any server capacity, so I couldn't install it. I was uh, right. really bad at that. So what I did was, okay, I like this, so I would play it on the site, read about it, read its source code, and basically mm-hmm. copy it with PHP. Like we had our, like, basically in these eight years in this company, I work on the same code base. Like we had our own CMS. And oh, okay. For those eight years, I was like working on the same code base. Like we were like back then we were like making 10, 15 sites a month. Mm-hmm. So it was reusing a lot of that. On, and basically the way I learned Ruby on Rails internals, like I copied them to PHP and see how much PHP doesn't fit that paradigm. Right. So in my last year at university, I was able to, I was having enough grasp of, of Ruby on Rails. And we had like a real project where I would be able to do Ruby on Rails stuff, like a real system, not something which was a website. Like it right. was, a, it was a ERP system for a company which produces tractors. Okay. Like my hometown is in a place where they produce grains like it's this area is very famous for grains so this company sells tractors for pretty much the whole country so i have to build an erp system and i I thought ruby on rail was perfect because this thing would finally have to have some tests (laughs) that's true uh testing has been a part of ruby on rails for a really really long time oh yeah like and the system was with ruby with rails 2.3 like that Mm -hmm. old so well, I, I remember Ruby 1.2, and so uh, 2.3 oh, was actually a little nicer. Oh yeah. yeah. So so why why did you think that Ruby was a good fit for uh, an ERP? And for those that aren't familiar, it's an enterprise resource planning system. So it basically helps people track, um, you know, how resources move through a system, and usually it's used in in really large uh, operations. Yeah, I mean, back in the time, I, I like. Back in that time, to be honest, I just thought it would be cooler. And, oh, there you go. And but the real, like the selling point was uh, our if we used our own system because back then in the PHP land there was no good mm-hmm. frameworks. Uh, there was enough ready stuff in the Rails ecosystem already with the right. gems and with the way to test stuff. Like I was able to show them how you can open a browser with back then like a rep rat and like clicking around and see how it works. So basically I sell them on the way that system actually can, we can use code written by other people and right. parts of our, like our CMS is cool, but it's a CMS 
and most of the cool features there, like internationalization and stuff like that, are useless in that system. And also, it 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 should have had a bit richer JavaScript backend. Mm-hmm. And back then, it it wasn't still part of Rails, but uh, there was this uh, thing called I mean, it's still there. It's called Sprockets. <laughs> but it was like just like uh, the first version of sprockets and it was something really yeah. what we needed back there to like just concatenate javascript files mm-hmm. and minimize them and also for that system this system would be in its own server so actually the uh, we would have like full con- because with the php world we were in the shared hosting environment right where, and back in the day there was no heroku and we couldn't like uh, Deploying Rails was not as fun as nowadays. <laughs> and in the other system, like basically we had our own hardware. And it was right. a lot bigger hardware than we ever need for a system like that. Cool. So how did you get from building an ERP system in Rails to working on Product Hunt? Yeah. Can I just tell a small story? Like oh, this yeah. one, one of my favorite stories is about this ERP system. Yeah, like, go for it. Uh, back then, like we were building the system, but like and talking with like people, managers, and we had like an awesome designer then, and we were very focused on the UI. So this company has its own conference where it gets people who sell tractors and uh, equipment for farms, and they have their own conference. And they mm-hmm. and in this conference they talk about like the newest trends in farming. And we have to present our ERP system because every person in this, like their, their clients are going to use that. Oh, wow. And imagine like people who are farmers and very mm-hmm. not high tech people. And we make a demo of our system, like half an hour, just showing the features and all of that. And comes and we're done. And the, the, both of the company. He haven't seen that system. This system was designed by his son, like his son wanted to have this software. And this mm-hmm. is like an old school farmer, like he right. made business by his own. And he asked us, okay, I want to know how many tractors my friend Ivan have here. And do you know what was the funny thing of this story? His friend Ivan, who was the farmer, who was just seeing the system for the first time, answer him yeah you just click on the map click on my face and you can see all my tractors and i can give you with the discount with this red button oh wow yeah and it was like and and from that moment moment on the system was actually sold like back that time we couldn't sell the contract (laughs) right that's awesome yeah one of my privates like uh ux stories that's awesome i I love that too because I mean, if, if the software can't be used or doesn't easily give people the information they want, then they won't use it. So, Yeah, exactly. And it's like something which really helped those people. Like they really right. needed that. Because back then they were like, I, I had their process. They were like, pay, like calling by phones. I can imagine calling by phone to see how many tractors you have. And in order to understand what, how, how much tractors you have on, <laughs> I know, right? you have to go and count them. And they're like big machine. <laughs> so from- yeah, I, I know I know the feeling that you're talking about. My first job out of college, I worked for a, a backup company that backed up people's hard drives, and um, I basically built and ran. I mean, there were there were other people involved, definitely, but um, 
I built and ran their tech support department. And we'd have people call in and we'd help them get their files back. And yeah, just have them basically say, I don't have any other copies of my, the pictures of my kids, right? And you help me save the pictures of my kids. You know, it, it was the same kind of thing, right? It felt like, hey, I'm making a difference for these folks. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, I have seen like a friend of mine lost all the, the kids' photos and they had like a fire at home and they lost all the like... Mm -hmm. And that was the thing they were caring most about, like it's... Yep. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, you're talking about tracking tractors, but still, you know, how much time did you save that guy, right? How much work did you save people? And, yeah, people feel like they make a difference in different ways, and it doesn't have to be this, oh, I shook the world. It could be, I, you know, I shook this small part of the world. Oh, yeah, definitely, like ma making those people happy and appreciate, mm -hmm. like... Uh, one person at a time make, makes a lot of difference. That's like, what's the point of that? In the end of the day, like the software have to have a purpose. Yep. So how did you wind up at Product Hunt? Okay, so after this company, like uh, the, the agency, uh, there was like the financial crisis and mm -hmm. most of our long-term customers didn't make it and the company had to like shut down. Okay. Uh, and I was like looking for jobs and I, I, I stumbled across like uh, there was a couple of guys who were very famous in the Bulgarian ecosystem, mm -hmm. uh, in the Ruby ecosystem in particular, who I just saw in some bulletin board like a job offer for this startup in Vienna, which was uh, focused on fashion. It, it should have been like a Kickstarter for fashion. And it was using Ruby on Rails. It was like a modern remote work. So I applied and I started working there. And one of the co-founders of this company is Andreas Klinger, who, who was the previous, the CTO of, of Product Hunt, the guy who hired me in Product Hunt afterwards. Okay. Like in this startup, we start, had like the very normal startup way. Like I moved to Vienna and I, we worked in the startup. We made a couple of pivots at some point. I became the CTO of the startup. The money, the money ran out, like the usual story. Mm -hmm. And after that, like uh, actually in the startup, I learned how to do single page apps basically because that was our last pivot. And from that on, I worked in some in a in an agency and in a bank for like I just just wanted to do something a bit more. Uh, some we, I worked like a startup bank, like a fintech startup. Mm -hmm. And after that, when when Andreas joined Produkant, and the way he joined Produkant is also interesting. Like uh, Ryan Hoover, who is the founder of Produkant, starts Produkant as a newsletter. Mm -hmm. And this newsletter uh, got very popular. So him and a friend during like uh, Thanksgiving make like this small website. And Andreas scraped the website to create a Chrome extension from the website. And Ryan liked this Chrome extension so much that he actually started talking with Andreas and hired him as a CTO. And th that was when Producon just passed the first, first rounding of fundraising round so so at that point Andrea started contacting people who he know and I was like one of his on his list so he hired me to start working at Pro. and uh, for the listener I just want to point 
uh, one thing out and that is, is that, um, and then I've done, I've pointed this out in my book too. I've been writing a book on how to find a job is a lot of times once you get somebody to like you and trust you, then it's a lot easier to get them to hire you. And I can't tell you how many jobs or contracts I got, you know, over the years of freelancing and working full-time jobs. I mean, after the first two jobs, pretty much every job after that was people I knew. Like it, it had a whole lot less to do with uh, whether or not I could, you know, code or things like that. I mean, it did. I had to come in for an interview, but you know, I found out about the jobs through my friends and I already had a leg up getting in because I had somebody on the inside working for me. Oh yeah. Like I think it's uh, very interesting when you see, when you work in a couple of companies, you start working with the same people who you like and like you in other companies, like in Product Hunt, uh, like Andreas hired me and hired another guy here from in Bulgaria who I ha- who was a friend of mine who I hired in the UK in the fashion startup. So we we get here. I hired uh, one of the people who I mentored, and mm-hmm. we made uh, iOS app together. I hired him a product hunt, and yeah, I mean that's that's how life cycles is. Yeah. You you work with good people and you want to work with them more. Yep. I, uh, you, you, the last full-time job I had, um, yeah, I was, I was one of two people that hadn't worked at ancestry.com before working at that company. Right. Oh, and, well. yeah, it was the same deal. Right. Um, the manager of our team got hired on at, you know, at this, at this company, which is, uh, public engines, crime reports.com. And, uh, and then he hired, he kept hiring people away from ancestry.com, which is a genealogy website. And, uh, that's based here in Utah. And yeah, anyway, it was just funny how that all worked out. And then they needed more Ruby people. And so I got pulled in, not because I had worked at ancestry, but because I had gotten to know, um, basically the Ruby expert and we were neighbors, we were good friends. And so, yeah, so I heard they were hiring and I applied and, you know, I was basically the only person on the list. So it's just kind of funny how it works out that way. Oh, well, yeah. But now you know all the people there. and <laughs> yeah. Yep. So what are you working on now? So right now I'm mostly like, I mean, I'm fully working on product and focusing there. Right. Like uh, right now, the, like I have like the full, like we are, since we're a very small team, I'm still like, I mean, I'm, I'm working on features daily, which I have to ship. Mm-hmm. But my other hidden role is to make uh, the whole application faster by making, helping the whole engineering team ship faster and making the application faster as well. Like, right. uh, and my basic role is to help my team be awesome. Like, uh, I'm trying to help them like remove obstacles because, uh, in my opinion, the, the goal of somebody in my position should be eliminating obstacles from the people. If I see something which is a problem, I try to fix it systematically. Like, uh, not like quick fixes, but okay, why is this happening? Like we had a small crisis a couple of weeks ago and it was like the answer, like the answer was never like, just be more careful because this doesn't work. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, this never works. 
Do better, guys. Do better. Yeah, write better code. Come on, replace books and faster as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like it's systematic. Why this happened? Why we didn't catch this in this phase or this phase? And we find the solutions and every failure makes us stronger except the failures which kill us. But we cannot do anything about those. So that's my job. And my job is uh, right now, it's since, it's since I'm so much longer in the company, I notice patterns and I'm tracking those patterns. Like my, like one of my, I think, good skills is I can notice patterns. Like I can see somebody is asking me three times already. Like every time somebody asks me a question, I put it in a file mm-hmm. and I'm putting it, this into uh, something executable, for example. Like uh, we had this uh, issue, like two, two issues in a row, two weeks, for example, was uh, we have a script which merges two user accounts because we have social logins and user can log in with Twitter and can log in with Facebook. Right. So every time we add something to the user model, we have to accommodate it for the merging. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we had is we have, in Europe, we have this thing called GDPR. And mm-hmm. when wants us to remove something from their system, we have to remove it. So every time we add some resource to the user, we have to accommodate how this resource is removed. Also from the GDPR, the user have to be able to download his own data. So if a user has a relationship, we have to be able to remove this relationship. Right. And imagine like people are making features, we have new people, so everybody forgets to, like they, they're adding something to the user because the user is like the god object, like right. said, the system. And users and, and their developers forget to add stuff and it's not their fault because they don't know about it. So I did like, we had these two issues in a row. So basically the solution we came up to is very simple. All those scripts would have like a list of all the relationships they handle, which would be just Boolean list. The relationship of the user should have uh, like just an array of handled relationships, just like a simple mm-hmm. object. And we have a test file which says for each of these objects, match it, uh, get all the users all, uh, from the reflection API, just get all the users relationships, match them with the relationship in the list and throw an exception like during testing if this is not handled. And how is it handled? There isn't a generic way. So far I haven't seen one, but the developer sees these files like, and would just go to the file, added it to the list and would decide is this handled automatically, but it's to the good developers will. And on the PR requests, in the PR reviews, in the pull requests, like somebody would see if somebody just added the, the item to the list and didn't properly handle it. Mm-hmm. But it's an idea to alert the system. And that's basically what I'm trying to do, just adding safeguards and helpers for developers so they can just focus on thinking what the features are and not like some particulars. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of things to keep track of though. I mean, yeah, but the, I mean, again, if something fails, like I asked the question, okay, how we can eliminate that? How can we systematically yeah. fix that? And yeah, there is a lot of things, but you fix one small thing, it, the, the whole system gets better. Like, uh, be, like I still have this ritual. Every Friday, I spend 90 minutes, which is not a lot, fixing uh-huh. exceptions in our exception tracker. 
And this actually makes our system a lot better. A lot of like internal tools get out of that. And if you do stuff, like in my experience, what I found is if you have a systematic approach to things, like you just don't let the things happen to you, but when something happens, you actually think, how can I handle that? How can I improve that? How I can like learn from that experience? And it's not like being more careful and again, being uh, uh, my, the, the, like something bad happens. It's like, okay, how can I improve it? Like there is stuff like we, we cannot handle. Of course we can't and we can live with that. Hopefully. <laughs> yep. Is there anything in particular that you're really proud of that you've done, you know, at product hunt or on some of these other projects? Um, I mean, to be honest, like the most thing which I'm like a bit proud of is, uh, like I started the, uh, like it was, it's a group of events, which I started in Bulgaria. So, during that, so uh, early in my career, like uh, in Bulgaria, the, the country, everything, everything IT related hap, hap, was happening in the capital city and I think outside of the capital city. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I was like growing up, it was a really pain because I didn't have any money and like my parents wouldn't like bring me to Sofia for IT events. So... Right. When I got a bit more into technology, I, I started organizing a conference in, uh, in, in a town where I studied in university in my, seat, in my, in my hometown, near my hometown. So I started this, this small conference and I organized it for like seven days with like 50 bucks, like a budget. So I organized this conference uh, back, back then, like 2012. And next year, a couple of friends got inspired by that and added me to like a group and we started organizing conference, conferences around the whole country outside of Sofia. And uh, we called it the IT tour. And it's mm-hmm. like a traveling conference circus. Like we just find speakers, have like uh, equipment and just go to smaller cities or like bigger symbolic, but everything outside of the capital and spurs events. And the time right. and the idea was we get local people in these events to help us and learn them how they can make events in their own country. So right now, I mean, I cannot take the credit or the whole IT tour and I take the credit, but there is a lot of happening outside of the capital IT wise. I'm not part of this IT tour anymore because like, I was one of the co of the organizing team, but uh, like life and I stopped doing that a couple of years ago, but this is something I'm a bit proud of because I think it makes the difference because if, if when I was younger, I was very missing like uh, events and conferences. And that's the reason I'm doing a lot of conferences right now. I'm even organizing a conference in May this year again, but I really like, the community because like, like programming can be a bit lonely and going to events, talking to other people is some of the most enriching experiences in, in my life. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Just being out there in the community and contributing in that way. It's just, it, it's super rewarding and you never know who, who you're going to impact that way. Yeah, exactly. Like right now I could, I, 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 I try to help mentoring a lot of people and there are some people who have seen them, how they grow from like, from this hacker space I was going, I see some, some of the people there that are doing like amazing jobs and work and like really proud of that because 
like it's great to see how people grow and like develop. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, um, I guess the last question before we do picks is um, where do people find you online? I um, mean, people could just find me on Twitter. I'm R Stankov. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. That's my handle everywhere. I'm most. I'm. I'm trying to be uh, active on Twitter. There, my that's my also my GitHub profile, my Prolifant profile. So that's how people can find me and like, being about anything. Cool. Well, um, do you have some picks? Some things you want to shout out about on the show? Oh uh, yeah, I have like two picks. Uh, like one is, uh, I mean, it's a very old pick, but actually got the new life. It's the Ruby Toolbox. Oh yeah. Uh, like it's really cool. Like I really like that somebody make this list of like cool tools and actually can compare them. And my second pick is from Toddbot and it's called Formu Formulaic. I'm actually going to paste it in the chat. It's like an extension to Capybara uh, for filling up forms with Capybara. It's a really useful tool uh, because I'm trying to, to learn our developer team to work more with page objects and integration tests. And having uh, this, the, the API there really helps streaming the, mm -hmm. how we fill up filling forms and how we actually enter data and most of the complicated interactions are like either clicking or the other was like forms. Very cool. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in here with one pick. Um, I recently just finished the latest book by Brandon Sanderson. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he writes mostly fantasy. Oh, I'm a big um, fan of him. I, I pretty much read almost everything. I, I, I know which book you're, uh, I think I know which book you're referring to. I'm, it's still in my reading list. Yeah. It's, it's called Skyward. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm picking, I'm picking Skyward. Um, I have to say Brandon Sanderson kind of ticks me off. And the reason is, is because I'm waiting for a new Stormlight Archives book. I'm waiting for new, new books in like four different series that he writes. Oh yeah. I'm still waiting for me. He a new dang series. Oh yeah. I mean, he, I, don't me nuts. How, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how he does like Miss Bourne and Stormlight Archives are like one of the best books I have. Yeah. They're terrific. Right. And we're waiting for more books and he's writing a new series. Anyway. Yeah. Actually, I actually met Brian Sanders in person. He was in Bulgaria giving the talk how you write fiction and how he actually approaches building worlds. And it's like amazing, like his process, like he was comparing himself to Stephen King who just writes. And Brian Sanders is actually making a world. Like he's literally building, like very relating to programming, how we actually build worlds from nothing. Mm -hmm. And we don't have like, and he actually tries to create his worlds in, in a very interesting way. Like it's really like it was. Mm -hmm. I, I, I most probably never write a uh, science fiction book, but his approach was really nice. Yeah, he. So he and a bunch of other folks do a podcast called uh, Writing Excuses. So if you want to learn more about how they do that, I think they've been they're in season fourteen or something at this point. I think is what they said. Oh, well. but, but yeah, so uh, they talk about the process of writing and it's pretty darn good. Um, it's also how I found out that he probably lives within a half hour of me somewhere. 
Oh, wow. Nice. So I, I actually need to figure out how to track him down and meet him. <laughs> but whenever he does a book launch, there's usually, there are usually a couple of local events because he, he can go to the local events and then sleep in his own bed. So um, That's nice. anyway, I just need to figure out how to get over there and, and meet him and some of the other folks on the show because they're pretty awesome. But anyway, so I guess I'll pick that as well. That's a great pick. I will definitely check this out. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. But thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. We will wrap this up and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.